Hey everybody, welcome. My name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at Mariner's Church. I want to start by talking a little bit about next week, actually. Um, we are going to be starting our indoor services next Sunday, and if all goes according to plan, and nothing has so far really gone according to plan. But anyway, if everything goes according to our plan, we're going to be having two services. We're going to be having a 915 service outside in the parking lot, for those of you that might be still a little anxious about coming indoors. And then we're going to be having an inside service, kind of full-on service, right here at 1045. If you want more information about that, please check our website. It's got all kinds of frequently asked questions, and it's going to have all kinds of stuff for you to look at. So make sure you take time for that to kind of figure out what we need to do and what you need to do. Hey, today I want to talk about somebody's and nobody's and really you and me. I remember a while back talking with a group of our high school students, and the cast of the high school play had just been posted. You know, ta-da! And they were all excited because they'd all tried out for one part or for another, and they were talking about what each, what each person would play. This person was this, and that person was that. And I remember one girl, and I asked her, she was real excited, and she said this. I said, what is your role in the play? And she said, I get to be bystander number two. And I thought, okay, bystander number two. No name, no anything, you know, just bystander number two. And I began to think through, well, why not bystander number three or even bystander number one? But it was number two. And actually, that stuck with me the whole day. Who is bystander number two? You know, if I'm sure they have some role, some part, and, you know, what if bystander number two were a, a real person in life? I mean, really was a real person in life. If so, they'd have a name, they would have a place they live, they would have friends and family, they would have a past, a history, they would have joy and heartbreak, things they liked and hopes, and they'd have dreams. They'd be a person that somebody loved and they'd love someone. Um, bystander number two really is not a nobody. Bystander number two is a somebody. And if you could actually go big and wide-angle the whole thing, you'd see actually God has a purpose and a plan and a place for everyone. Bystander number two is not a nobody. Bystander number two is a somebody. And today we're going to be talking about someone who was bystander number two or three, and we're going to talk about maybe you and probably me and how God has a purpose and a plan and a place for every single one of us. But first, we want to do what we call here at Mariner's Worship. And worship actually is something that gives us fulfillment and joy because we're able to express our love back to the God who made us. I believe very strongly that God created us to worship Him, to praise Him, to sing to Him, to think about Him, to understand His greatness and His love for us. And that's what worship is, us hearing and us responding. So I'm going to turn it over to our worship team as now they lead us into this time, these moments of worship. 
Hey, one thing that I think is really great about this place is that we have all different types of people that are part of Mariner's Church. We have bosses, and we have interns. We have people starting out in their first jobs. We have CEOs. We have those who are who's who in high school, and people like me who in high school, I was a who's he kind of a person. Today, I actually want to spend a few moments talking about somebody's and nobody's and me and you and bystanders number two and bystanders number three, and how God actually works through people like us, all of us. Would you take a second and pray with me right now? Lord God, thank you that we have been able to sing about how you are the corner of our life, the cornerstone of our life, and that you build our lives strongly when we set them in you. And I would pray right now for these moments that you would guide me, guide us, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Bible speaks about us. It speaks to us and about us. And that's why I, I, I love Scripture. And even God will talk to us and help us through an obscure little book that's called Haggai. Now, Haggai is a tiny little book in the Old Testament. It's hard to find. It doesn't have any miracles. There's no seas that are parting. There's no water that's turning into wine at all. It's about people. And it's about people who are returning back to their country after having been exiled for 60 years. 60 years they had been pulled away and they had lived in another spot and their land had been vacant and weed infested and termites came and went and gophers did all their thing. And now the people are returning back to their country and they need to rebuild their lives and their homes and their world. And now there's going to be a name that's going to pop up in the book of, of Haggai. In fact, in a couple other places in the Bible. And the name is Zerubbabel. Now, you want to say who? Yep, Zerubbabel. And it's a fun, it's actually fun to say. Um, now, Zerubbabel to me, he's like the bystander number two in the Bible. You know, you, you kind of mention him and you think, I, I, I'm not sure I've ever really heard of this guy. First of all, his name is hard to spell. And second of all, once you spell it, it sounds like a brand of bubble gum. Zerubbabel. Now, we've all heard of the big guns in the Bible. You know, the, there's the Abraham and the Moses and the Esthers and the Joshua and the Jacob and Ruth and David. I mean, we name our kids after those people. Esther, you know, went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the king. David killed a giant. Daniel was in the lion's den, but Zerubbabel? And you just want to say, come on. His name, even his name is not cool. His name means this. His name means Zerubbabel, born in Babylon. That's what his name means. I mean, who does that to their kid? You see this tiny little infant right here? Isn't he cute? What will she name him? You know, what will we name him? Well, I've always wanted a baby named born in Babylon. And that's what they named him. And that's the, the moniker the kid had to carry his whole life. Well, the kid grew up. And what happened was the king, the Persian king, um, back in Babylon said, you know, we need to let these people go back to Jerusalem. And then he said, well, we need somebody has to be in charge of these guys. And so he asked his advisors, well, who was the last king that was king of Jerusalem in that area? And, and the king asked, well, well, who was the last one? And they said, Zedekiah. 
well, what happened to him? And they said, well, you killed him, remember? And he said, oh, well, go find one of his kids. And they said, um, you killed them too, remember? Well, how about, how about grandkids? And they said, mm, nope. Great grandkids? Well, who's left? And they said, well, there's this guy. He's named Zerubbabel. Who? You know, Zerubbabel. And the king said, okay, send him back and make him governor. While you're at it, go buy me some bubble gum, you know. So Zerubbabel is sent back, and he's made governor of Jerusalem and Judea and that area there. I don't think he asked for the job. I don't think he really even wanted the job. He had no MBA. He had no executive training. He had no 4.5 GPA in scholarships. He was not first team. He was not varsity. He was not most likely to succeed. He was not employee of the month three times in a row. He's just there. And he's now in charge of a ragtag group of returning refugees going to a torn down, weed infested corner of the world. And they get there. How do you, where do you start? Well, they started, at least they tried to, but things didn't go very well. The land is worse than they thought. The people were unmotivated. Governing them was a nightmare. And I don't know about you, but I begin to say, God, who am I to even try and do this kind of stuff? Not only do I have a bad name, but I'm stuck in a dead-end job in a little corner of the world. There's no place for advancement. There's no room for success. Who am I? What am I doing with my life? And day to day, he showed up. No miracles, no Jordan River parting, no manna coming from heaven, no angels proclaiming huge things. Day by day, Governor Zerubbabel would show up at his office and try and figure out what in the world God's doing with my life. And I begin to wonder, God, if he didn't say, God, who am I and will you use me ever, ever? And sometimes I find we try and measure life by, well, by our accomplishments or success or money or fame or security or popularity or influence. We try that, but yeah, no. We realize significance, those kinds of things, they really don't give us the deep meaning and fulfillment we want. That was Zerubbabel kind of just there. You want to hear the end of his story? We don't know. He just kind of fades away. He's mentioned a few times. He doesn't win any major battles. He doesn't run for king and win by a landslide. He's just not mentioned anymore. Zerubbabel, bystander number two. But there's some really cool stuff. When you look in the cracks throughout Scripture, you'll find some really cool stuff about God's working in his life and the way God can work in your life, too. And I guess first thing, never ignore what God can do through ordinary. Never, ever, ever ignore what God can do through ordinary. Don't do that. God, God uses ordinary all the time. In fact, God's quite skillful at working through ordinary. In fact, most of life is ordinary. 
day by day by day. Now it becomes extraordinary when we surrender ourselves to God and we say to God, God, use me to help bring peace or strength or encouragement or to forgive somebody. And all of a sudden, a day by day, simple Tuesday becomes an extraordinary day. And the thing I love about Zerubbabel is that it gives, it gives me, it gives us the assurance that even though we may feel like bystander number two in a play, we're not. He showed up, he did his stuff, he was faithful day by day. Zerubbabel is mentioned in another Bible book. And God is referring to him and getting things going. And listen to this verse. It says this, talking about how God is going to be working through Zerubbabel. It says this, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And what he's saying is, look, Zerubbabel, it's not you that's going to do this work. It's going to be me doing it with you and through you and even around you. And Zerubbabel, if you had all this skill and if you had all this ability and if you had all this might and strength and personality and if you were cool and had the X factor, you know, and all that kind of stuff going with you, you'd probably be useless to me. You probably wouldn't be able to get much done or I couldn't get much done through you because it's not by might, it's not by power. It's by God's Spirit working through you. It works, Zerubbabel, that you're not the superstar and the celebrity because God would say, I don't do things that way. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. I, I guess the next thing I see here is we would want to discover God's purpose in his world and, and be part of his purposes. The Bible says this, live life with a new sense of responsibility, not as those who don't know the meaning of life, but as those who do. And, and so a legitimate question could be, okay, what's the meaning of life? Because obviously in the Bible it says we're the ones that should know it. To remember that we're part of something bigger, God's plan being worked out here in this world through Jesus Christ, and God brought you here, and God brought, God brought us through this thing called COVID, and God brought us through this mix, brought us into this mix of people for a purpose. In fact, next weekend, we're going to be starting for the next few weeks talking about um, who are we? I mean, and what is God doing through us? Who are we as a church family here? Who are you as a person? And what's God doing in this world and our part in it. I hope you could be part of that, boy, for the whole time. And I think also another truth is God has a special spot for those that don't do a lot more than show up with faith. I think, I think being available and showing up with faith and expectation that God's going to do something, I think it's one of the most valuable things that you can do. And that's really all Zerubbabel did. He showed up. He was faithful. He built a temple, you know, and he worked to try and get that thing done. And when it was done, they all stood back and they looked at it, and it is, it's a lot smaller than the first one. But he did what he could. He led the people, not as king, ta-da, not the king, but just as the governor. But he did what he could. 
He didn't have any grand ideas about how important he was to God or how God was lucky to have someone like him or how lucky the people were to have him. He didn't run for king. He didn't have monuments built to himself. He wasn't famous. He was just faithful. I, I like that. I like that a lot. Because if he was like the superstar, omnicompetent Superman, I'm not sure we would stand him. We could stand him very long. And I'm not sure God could have used him. And I'm not sure God could have said these great words, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Zerubbabel, whatever happened to the guy? Here today, gone next week, you know, and that's kind of the story of his life. And it was kind of like, look, God, I'm here to do whatever you want me to do. I don't want attention. I don't want rewards. Just let me serve you do my job. God would say this at the end of Haggai, as, as God is now speaking through the prophet about Zerubbabel. God says this, I will make you, Zerubbabel, like my signet ring, for I have chosen you declares the Lord Almighty. Signet ring is a symbol of authority. It's a symbol of power. It's a, signal, it's, it's a symbol of strength. A king gives a signet ring to someone who will do the king's work to act on his behalf. Spiritually, what it means, two things. It means, first of all, Zerubbabel, I'm going to work through you, and you're going to be my person here in this time. I'm going to give it to you, Zerubbabel. But there's another part of this whole idea of the signet ring, and, and this is really cool. Zerubbabel's great-great-great-grandfather when he was king, well, it says that God actually took away that king's signet ring. God took it away. Basically, God said to Zedekiah, I am going to take away the signet ring that I have given you. I will no longer work through you or your family. Zerubbabel was also a descendant of Zedekiah, and God said, I'm going to give it back. Guess what? I'm going to do something big through you, Zerubbabel. Not only are you going to be my workman here, not only are you going to rebuild the temple, not only are you going to lead the people for this time, um, I'm going to do something really big through you. And if you read the story in Matthew or read the story in Luke, they talk about the ancestors of Jesus, those that came ahead of him. And you'll find some names here and some names there and some names that are hard to pronounce. And you'll also see a name as one of the ancestors of Jesus, a person whose name sounds a little bit like bubblegum. Yeah, you'll find Zerubbabel. What God is saying is, Zerubbabel, you're going to be something a lot bigger than you could ever have imagined. God is working through you today. God's going to work with you because through your line, through you, will, become, will come my son, Jesus Christ. Hey, and today for you, for me, for all of us, you're part of something bigger than yourself too, much bigger. 
and you might take a look and review your resume of life and you might see it's pretty short and there's not a lot of stuff on it and not a lot of stuff there and nothing of note. But God's looking at your faithfulness in your heart, your intentions of serving him and being his person and doing the right thing in the right now. And so when you forgive a person, when you make peace, when you serve the poor, when you help those that are struggling, when you encourage somebody that's down, when you take time to pray for a person, pray with a person, somebody that's lonely, you give them a call in the name of Jesus. Those things, you become God's person in this place. Zerubbabel was just a guy, and he put himself in the path of God's grace. And if, if you want to, and you mean it, the first thing God, I believe, will say to you is, okay, do this. When you surrender your life to me, I'm going to give you a first step. And that first step may be the name of a person that you need to forgive. I could tell you this, the best thing you can do is at that point in time, forgive, don't put it off. Or maybe somebody you need to call. God will put it in your mind. First thing you need to do is call because God will take that first step of obedience and you'll just take off, take off from there. Next weekend, we are going to be opening up this place. Um, one thing we want from you, actually, is to prepare. Now, that doesn't mean you brush your teeth and comb your hair, even though I probably would hope you'd, you'd do that, um, but to prepare your heart. And there's a concept in the Bible, and it's, it's called consecration, and what it means is preparing yourself to present yourself to God. And what we're going to do is we have actually daily pastoral check-ins where each one of the staff members takes a few moments and they, they check in with you. It's a video thing. And we're going to take actually different parts of what it means to open your life up to God, to consecrate your life to God, to help prepare you for a time of coming in and for us coming together. And so I would like to invite you to be part of a week of consecration. Go to our website. There's all kinds of information about that. Also, there'll be the videos that will be posted there. But each day, there's going to be a time where you can view one of the pastors kind of leading you through some steps of opening yourself up to him. And then there's going to be a song, a worship song for you to listen to. You might say this will be your quiet time for God every day to give to him and to present yourself to God as that living sacrifice that God wants. Hey, all of us, we may be bystander one, two, or three. God looks at our lives, precious. Loves us, each one of us, who we are, and will say to each one of us, I want to give you the grace and the strength and the power to be part of changing the world. Thanks.